Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm is now in session. The following is an encore segment of SEO 101. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on Cranberry.fm. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my co-host is John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Local. We have another special guest this week, and it's uh, it's Mike Blumenthal. Now, I'm going to quote him here because he's very eloquent. Apparently, he's the general general cleaning and dishwasher. It's very important. Um, he spends his days consulting with clients in the review industry and has a local web design and hosting business. He spent the last six years studying Google Places, how it works, and how it affects the entire local ecosystem. And uh, we're really happy to have him on today. And, and uh, welcome, Mike. You missed the part that I consider myself an idiot savant. I was going to say the same <laughs> thing. You didn't, you didn't mention that. Oh, you took my punch, punchline away. Yeah. Oh. Ah, <laughs> Yeah, it's good to have you on the sh- on the show today, and thanks, John, for hooking us up. And Mike, Mike's also known by his nickname, which which I think is great, is Professor Maps, because he literally knows anything and everything there is to know about this. And so I'm really excited to get to pick his brain a little bit today. <laughs> Excellent. And well, before we get started, I wanted to mention to, to thank everyone so far for all the help they've given us for the Small Business Influencer Award. Um, it's we're still ahead uh, of the game, at least. Uh, I, I hope we are as of this minute. Uh, it seems to change pretty quickly. Uh, and it's all thanks to you. So thank you very much. It's kind of a long, drawn-out affair. Uh, 30 days is a bit much. But uh, in any case, it, you can vote every day. And the URL to vote at is bit.ly bit.ly slash vote SEO 101. Simple as that. So bit.ly slash vote SEO 101. And uh, we're there every day <laughs> trying to keep us, keep our head above water. We've got a lot of rather gigantic competitors. So any help yeah. is appreciated. And just, just, just so you know, Mike is also nominated in the uh, – are you in the gurus category, uh, Mike? I, I'm in the gurus category. Right. So if, if you like what he has to say today, go throw him some votes too. Definitely. Definitely. So we have a lot to talk about on local. Uh, I, I'm just ready to, to go crazy here. <laughs> Lots of questions. I just put them together in the last 10 minutes, and I already got them. So um, why don't we start with, with you, John? Well, first of all, John, how did this happen? How did we get Mike well, on? Well, it was a couple shows ago, I think. I was going over – I was talking about my experience at the Get Listed out in Michigan, which was great. And you started asking questions about this and that. And I said, look, let's, let's table this for another show, and I'll see if we can get Mike to get on the show, and we'll pick his brain on this. And he was gracious enough to say yes, and we have him, so let's, let's, let's do it. <laughs> Excellent. What do you want to take the first question? Yeah, and I think um, it's something that's probably on the top of his mind. I noticed it's on the top of mine that just in the past couple of days, it might have even been yesterday, um, they changed the way they're displaying reviews or which reviews they're displaying in places now. So uh, can you kind of explain that for us, Mike, and maybe what kind of ramifications that has? Uh, sure. It's, um, just for a little bit of background, for the last three weeks, there's been a lot of uh, disruption noticed in the forums and by individual places holders 
uh, in Google places. And usually when we see that disruption, there were lost reviews. Everybody all of a sudden switched to pending status. Um, everybody, a number of people lost their description. Usually when you see that kind of activity, it's predictive of you know, stuff going on under the hood. And yesterday, Google rolled out uh, a radical redesign or, or redesign of the places page. As part of that, they uh, dramatically de-emphasized third-party reviews, both on the places page, but also on the main local search results uh, from the main uh, SERPs. So previously, if you had a hundred reviews from, say, a review uh, from third-party sources and only two from Google, it would have shown your in the blended results or in the seven pack and the local results would have shown you as having 102 reviews. Now it shows you as having two. So for some people, it's going to be a huge visual impact, particularly on the main SERPs, which are the most, you know, uh, most important. Hmm. So, so just to be clear, they're still counting all the reviews when they're when they're figuring out the algo and they're trying to, you know, apply reviews to see where where you fit. They still count them all, but they're just they just change what they're displaying. Is that right? Well, they're still including on the main search results links to the primary review sources and a subtotal of reviews for them. So one presumes that absolutely they're counting this information. And as far as we can tell in the last 24 hours, there's been no change in ranking. Um, but they've just dramatically reduced the visibility of third-party reviews. Um, so in terms of the small business that hasn't had a diverse and diversified review plan in place, you know, they're going to see some skewing of the, res of the visual results. And I think more importantly, it's going to impact traffic at some point to uh, review sites. And also companies like Demand Force that are in the review management business, are the value of those services just plummeted. Yeah, and, and honestly, it was funny because a friend of mine was just just called me today actually because he was just just discovered Demand Force and he was all excited about it. And I said, "Well, <laughs> you might have <coughs> excuse excuse me, you might have missed the boat on that one." Um, well, certainly Demand Force and similar services have a place because they formalize and systematize review uh, requests of customers, and I think that's an important service. But it, it shouldn't a small business never should rely on them exclusively. They should that should be part and parcel of a bigger plan. Yep. So, so does it help you manage your reputation then in terms of rev reviews and stuff? Is that Demand Force? I've never heard uh, of them. Demand Force is a company that primarily works in the dental field, and they uh, do a lot of practice management. They have a number of practice management tools, scheduling. One of the things they do as part of the scheduling process is host. Uh, appointment follow-up with the client on your behalf and then if the review is negative they put the review into an area where you can interact with the customer for a period of time I think it's two weeks and then hopefully resolve the dispute if not the review still will be published but it might be changed in that time frame um, and they're one of the early companies review management companies that had a feed into Google so their reviews were very visible in Google <laughs> Um, and their visibility is obviously dramatically dropped. How in the heck do you get that kind of a connection? You know, Google's so tight with all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm kind of impressed they managed to get a feed into something so, uh, I don't uh, know, it's almost yeah. religious being in there. <laughs> 
You know, Google has, in places, Google is always looking for new information, particularly in massive quantities. I mean, if you do review management and you have 10 or 20 or 30,000 reviews, Google's not going to talk to you. But if you have unique information and in very large quantities, um, they will, you know, possibly uh, consider taking data from you. And there, there's a form on their site that you can fill in. But in companies I've spoken with that, if, that are not, you know, CityGrid has a lot of reviews. Obviously, Google talks with them. The numbers to get into a feed situation are astronomical. I believe that Demand Force had a unique product at the time, two or three years ago, and were given unique consideration. Hmm. So there, there was a time, or at least I was told, that obtaining a review in Google Places was less effective than getting one on a third-party site. Uh, this is way outdated. I certainly see it around still. Um, has this changed with this update, or has it changed a long time ago and it's, it's much, it is effective, or is it much more effective? Um, well, to me, a review is effective when a customer sees it, right? Mm -hmm. And um, right now, it, and, and the impact on the algorithm to me is secondary. To me, the, the value of review is in the credibility it provides and the call to action on the part of somebody seeing uh, uh, your listing. Um, so in terms of ranking import, um, I don't think that Google evaluates their reviews more importantly than third-party reviews. Google's looking to return the most accurate local results. And most accurate local results, if you, if you deprecate your reviews or somebody else's reviews, you're not going to be seeing those. To, you know, they always look at the sum total of information they have access to. So I don't think from a ranking point of view, Googles are more important or third parties are more important. But I think with this recent change, um, third party reviews have been deprecated visually. And thus, I think some small businesses that had a lot of third party reviews and not a lot of Google reviews might lose some business as a result. Hmm. Wow. Google Places is setting itself up well to get more of the review traffic then. Absolutely. Um, and you can see with the visual change in places, they've added a great big, firstly, they've done a redesign that matches their new, you know, black bar at the top and the red buttons of plus. So that, uh, you know, indicates that it's likely going to be integrated into Google Plus sooner rather than later. The other thing they've done in that red button design is they've added a button on your place page, very big, very prominent, very near the top uh, to, you know, add reviews. So they're using their platform uh, to solicit reviews for themselves, which, you know, in their battle with Yelp makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. And, and I think a lot of these changes we're doing right now, especially the visual changes, there's no coincidence it's happening at the same time Google Plus is being oh, no. you know, launched and, and starting to gain traction. You know, when they launch the business pages on Google Plus, they're going to tie into places pages. And I, I, I agree with you, Mike. The, the, the reviews are going to start really relying heavily on Google Plus and reviews from their own system. Um, just seems like that's a natural direction for them. Right. They did it's, make a mention in their post that they were going to, in, in their lat long post, that they were going to take information that was buried in the places page and make it more visible across all of their platforms. So that information could be reviews, it could be photos, it could be coupons, it could be events and announcements, um, and it could, you know, obviously it could be in, in Google+, it could be in mobile, it could be every place. So we think that they're going to be leveraging this data much more aggressively through a much broader part of their network going forward. 
Yeah, and knowing Google, it could be all of the above. So absolutely, <laughs> you know, it makes you wonder when they do this. Are they going to get some antitrust issues here? Because they're cutting out third parties now. Well, you have to realize the context. The third parties, particularly TripAdvisor and Yelp, were very unhappy with Google utilizing their review data and keeping people in the places page. So the third parties can't have it both ways, right? Um, (laughs) Very good point. Right? So Google was perhaps overly aggressive in keeping third-party review content initially on their places page when they rolled out the places page changes last year in October, and then they cut back just to a summary form several months ago, and now they reviewed, removed both the snippets and the summary information, and all there is is links. So, um, <laughs> you know, I think Google is responding to their desire to provide an integrated result going forward. You know, and I think their focus is on income. I think they're certainly, uh, they have to worry about antitrust, but I don't think that it dictates um, their. I don't think it's at the core of their planning considerations. It's actually quite brilliant. Yeah. I'm, I'm chuckling. I can't help it. It's really now yeah, they're they're set. They're like, yeah, well, you asked us to. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's perfect. Exactly. Uh, do you want to go for the next question, John? I've got yeah. tons, but yeah, I do too. Um, but I would kind of like to bring this back kind of towards the, the SEO 101 side of things. Um, can, can you help our listeners understand, Mike, and this was, I think this went really well at uh, Get Listed, so I think our, our listeners would like it as well. Talk about the difference between the blended local search and the one-box search results and you know they're, how they're different and why they're different a little bit, just kind of maybe help educate, because I don't think enough people understand there's a difference and where that difference is headed. Right. So most of your, you know, viewer or listeners are obviously familiar with the concept that there's an algorithm driving the organic uh, web page results based on relevance and prominence of that particular page, heavily focused on, you know, linking and various other things. Well, there's a, a an algorithm that focuses a a sort of mirror algorithm to that that focuses on. Uh, called location prominence that focuses on attempting to ascertain the popularity of a given business in a given place. So it isn't worried about a page, it's worried about a place. So Google historically has looked at signals that would indicate proxies, online proxies, that would indicate offline popularity of a given business. And so they have an algorithm that does just that, looks at the relevance of a given local place is listing and ranks it. Um, this local ranking algorithm contributed, contributes currently to the map ranking uh, that you see when you're inside Google Maps and it contributes directly to the ranking that you see in what's used to be called or what's called a seven pack. Last October Google really mixed it up with a rollout of what they call blended results which are showing up you know, intermixed on local queries. Um, and the blended results take this local algorithm this, and this local information, merges it with the organic results, and blends both visually from a user view point of view and, we believe, algorithmically um, the results so that now people see, when they're seeing one of these blended results, they'll see a result that is part web result and part local result. And we think it, it uses... You know, to a large extent, the organic 
ranking algorithm, but it also uses some of the local ranking algorithm in ascertaining the final results. Great. So, so what do you think? How how is that changing? So, are the blended results becoming more and more prominent? Are we always going to have the <laughs> the seven pack? <laughs> I, you know, I have a theory. I mean, the the answer is, and I, this is the answer I gave it at at in Grand Rapids, and it's still the same as who the hell knows, right? right. Um, <laughs> Google has, you know, we thought originally in October that Google would shift heavily towards the blended results. They haven't done so. And on any given search, in fact, the exact same search, one time you do it, it might show seven pack, the next time it might show blended, or slight variations on the search. Sometimes you'll include the city without the state, it'll show the seven pack. If you include the state, it'll show the blended. Um, there's incredible variety in the way and how and when they produce one versus the other. It is likely a function of how much inventory there is. Um, but in other words, if, if a lot of local businesses don't have good web pages on a given query, they're likely to show this impact. But obviously, there's considerations that go way beyond that. Um, perhaps even some amount of randomness, or if not randomness, desire to obfuscate the pattern so that SEOs won't dig in as deeply as they did into the organic algorithms in Google's early days of, of web ranking. True. Mm, the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I, thank you. I personally like the Blender results. And for small businesses, I think they're probably – I get your opinion, Mike. But my opinion is for small businesses, the Blender results in search are probably going to be more effective for them if they have the right type of content on their sites. Um, I just see that as, as people being more likely to click on something like that. But I could be wrong. Which do you? What do you think, Mike? Uh, you know, I don't. I I, um, I think that if just a second, well, give me one one second. Here. I think that you know you have to cover your bases, right? And and uh, we don't really know how users respond um, to, to the Google displays. They're the only people that really know the answer to that. Given that they're presenting both sets of data, one presumes that customers respond equally well to them. Um, and I think that as a business, you need to understand that you're playing in multiple fields and you have to plan accordingly. So I don't really know. I mean, I, I, uh, my preference is of little, little import when you're in the face of a huge power like Google. True. Hmm. Okay. Well, thank you. So I, I'm going to jump in, car cut. <laughs> you don't have to do that this time. <laughs> we had another John on the show, and we had to do that. So, uh, well, you know what? Before we uh, get to my question, which is just coming I, up having another John on the show sort of takes this conversation in a direction I'm not sure I'm comfortable with. <laughs> <laughs> we could get another mic if you want. <laughs> well, that would at least keep it family oriented. Yeah, <laughs> so be good. <laughs> it was definitely great having you on, Mike. Though I'm a little bit disappointed in your waxing poetic. It was, you know, it was a little short for my taste, but it was great anyway. <laughs> well, I, to just a note, I project much more humorously on a microphone than I do in person. <laughs> <laughs> what if you're in person on a microphone? I think you do well there too. <laughs> yeah, anytime I have the stage, John, you know that. All right. <laughs> SEO 101 will be back right after recess. 
Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjord, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. Online anytime. This is Cranberry Radio. Cranberry.fm. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. The following is an encore segment of SEO 101. Welcome back to SEO 101 on Cranberry.fm, hosted by John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Local, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. Today is an auspicious occasion. We're joined today by John Mueller, a Senior Webmaster Trend Analyst at Google Switzerland. And uh, John, you you asked it, so I'm going to ask, what does that mean? So, (laughs) (laughs) hi, everyone. So basically what I do is I connect webmasters with the engineers at Google. So I try to make sure that everyone is speaking the same language, that all the feedback that we collect from webmasters online is kind of distilled and uh, transformed in a way that our engineers can work on that. And similarly, how our engineers can bring back feedback through us to the webmasters to make sure that they can make even better websites. Hmm. Excellent. So you're awesome. off on the front lines and answer, answering questions in, say, forums and also, obviously, on radio shows and <laughs> other things of the such? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're active in the forums. Uh, we do a lot of the blog posts. We do a lot of uh, background work as well with uh, the various communications teams at Google. I know my first introduction to you, John, was on the, the Webmaster forums or uh, on Google Groups. You're in there a lot, communicating a lot. And it's great information. It's great, great to have an authoritative voice in that mass mess of jumbled 
groups. <laughs> it, it can be interesting at times. I'm sure you agree. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, something that we found uh, is quite necessary as well because uh, traditionally Google is a, quite a, a black box company, especially with regards to web search, that we haven't shared a lot of our insights uh, together with webmasters externally. So it's important that uh, we kind of work to dispel any myths that come up, uh, any problems that webmasters kind of make up on our own and uh, run off into one corner that doesn't really help them. Mm. Okay. Yeah. okay so can you ex- uh, explain a little bit about uh, how you became, you know, how, how you started working for Google? Uh, it's a bit of an interesting story you, you, you mentioned to me. So I had a small software company before joining Google, and one of the products that we made was a sitemaps generator called the G-Site Crawler, which uh, is one of the more popular Windows-based sitemaps generators. And uh, from there, I got in touch with the the Google teams and uh, started working at Google um, almost four years ago. Wow. Now, uh, what I read online was that you were actually – active in Google Groups before you worked for them? Is that true or did that just, is that wrong? <laughs> yes, uh, that, oh, okay. that's true. So, so I was quite active in the forums, but of course it's quite different when you're external to Google. You can only see the, the public-facing side of things. You can't really say that, oh, this is really how it works or this <laughs> isn't how it works. You kind of have to guess based on your experience. Mm, right. We've been there. <laughs> yeah. And, and for all our listeners, just so things don't get confusing, uh, I'm trying to think of how nice I'm going to be here. Um, we're going to be uh, – I don't want to have two Johns going here, so uh, John Carcutt is going to be called. Hmm, should be. Be nice. Be nice. <laughs> uh, Carcutt. Uh, there you go. Carcutt. <laughs> and it'd be, be between that and the cut. <laughs> Can't resist that. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm not going to go there, but that re- reminds me of a certain like genre of jokes that always works. <laughs> um, so, Carcut, uh, how about uh, you lead with the first question, if you don't mind? Sure. Um, and I think a lot of my focus today is going to be really on the webmaster tools side of things. Could, so, can you really kind of talk to us how? about you personally and how involved you are with Webmaster Tools. So we kind of have a foundation of that conversation. So I I work quite tightly together with the sitemaps team, which is also mostly based in Zurich, and uh, fairly tightly as well with the rest of the Webmaster Tools team. So we work together when we kind of uh, define new features, new ideas, and uh, work together to make sure that they, they end up in a way that they help webmasters as well. So I'm quite involved there. That's awesome. And I can tell you, I, I'm a huge, you know, I'm a, I'm a Google fanboy to some extent, but I'm a Webmaster Tools fanboy like 10 times over. So I love, <laughs> I love Webmaster Tools. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so one of the things that I always tell people when I say you need to make sure you're on Google Webmaster Tools is that because that's one of, one of the only places that Google will communicate to you directly about your website. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what are some of the most common things that Google tells you about your website and when you might be most likely to receive one of these communications? Okay. So and there are a lot of communications that we send out through Webmaster Tools. We've been growing that list uh, over time quite a bit. Uh, there's a lot of information there that happens based on uh, errors that we run into when we crawl a website. Maybe we notice that the homepage is roboted out, or maybe the, we notice that the, there are a lot of crawl errors happening. Then, uh, of course, there are a lot of 
kind of administrative messages that we also send out. Uh, for instance, if you have a new owner for your website, if you delegate ownership uh, maybe to an SEO or to uh, another webmaster. And all of those messages are generally shown directly in Webmaster Tools, but you can also subscribe to them. And I think that's really important for pretty much all webmasters to make sure that they actually have those messages forwarded to their email account because sometimes there'll be messages there that are quite critical. So, for instance, when we run into malware on your website. And and the default is not a a non-subscription. So you actually have to physically go in and subscribe to those, correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so yeah, I, I agree. Everybody should be doing that if you're not, without a doubt. Excellent. Now, why is it that, that that's uh, opt-in? I mean, it's, I, mean I, I like the fact that it's opt-in, I guess, in a way, but it seems like something that should just be if someone's signing up for the Webmaster Tools, they get access to that no matter what, um, or at least it, it's already enabled. Is there, what is it that, that caused you guys to make it opt-in only? I think that's uh, more or less historical in that we didn't have the ability to forward that to your email account from the beginning, and we didn't want to add an opt-in later on to users who already signed up. I see. Makes sense. Okay. Um, <clears throat> should I take the next one, Carcut? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> <That's> Done. <so weird>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I deserve that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well... First of all, what, what is, uh, what's your favorite parts of Google Webmaster Tools? You mentioned that you know, obviously you've been working on this a while. So what is it you like most about it? Uh, what I really like about Webmaster Tools are the parts that you can't figure out on your own. So especially uh, the notification console, all the messages that are sent there, uh, that, that's a lot of information that you can't find out by yourself, but also information like the top search queries where you see which queries your site ranked for, but where users might not even have clicked on your site in the search results. And that's that's really fascinating to me. Uh, the other information, such as the crawl errors, that's also quite important for me, but that's something where a more savvy uh, webmaster might be able to get that out of their server logs as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank Excellent. you. Well, and just, just what I think, tie, a question I have that ties into that, Ross, I think if you're ready to move on, is all that data, um, a lot of that, or I don't know how much of it, but a lot of the, the webmaster tools is going to be integrated into analytics. So how much of that data, or I don't even know if you can tell us yet, um, let's even back up a little bit. So maybe our our, user, our listeners don't even know that there's Webmaster Tools is going to be sending data into anal- analytics. Can you tell us a little bit about that that's public knowledge already? And if there's anything you want to announce on our show, we'd be happy to let you do that. Uh, <laughs> 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 So at, at the moment, we're working together with uh, some people who, who signed up fairly early for a kind of a test run with analytics to see how, how well that works. Uh, one of the ideas behind that is that you have the ability to really drill down and combine data in neat ways within analytics. And we think that uh, maybe that could be quite useful to combine with the Webmaster Tools data. For instance, uh, the top search queries where you can see what your click-through rate is on these search queries, and you might be able to combine that with other data that you have in analytics to kind of really drill down and find out what kind of users are finding your site and going to your site and which users are finding your site but going to maybe a competitor's site. Hmm. 
Interesting. See, now I have a I have a favorite graphic from Raven Tools. I, I don't know if you're familiar with Raven Tools, um, but they basically track rankings, and they have a graphic that they do where they integrate the Google Analytics API and they layer rankings over top of traffic for individual keywords. And I'm going to request that if you guys can do that, I will. I'll, I don't know if I cancel my subscription to Raven, but I, that would be amazing. <laughs> Well, I think it's uh, it's always interesting to have other tools that also use our APIs to create even neater tools. So it's not that we're trying to uh, replace third-party tools or especially third-party plugins that use uh, the analytics API. It's more that we're trying to find out how we can complement the existing data and uh, use the feedback that we find from there to make things even more useful for webmasters. Hmm. One of the things that that, that I saw, I wanted to give you guys kudos on. I, I just doing a re- bit of research and I found someone who was mentioning, obviously the notifications have been around a while, but uh, it was good to see that this person had been notified by um, Google Webmaster Tools that their WordPress was out of date and that they needed to update the latest version. I think that's great. That's the kind of st- stuff that just blows me away and, and I think uh, I'd love to hear more of. Yeah, that, that's something uh, where we noticed that a lot of websites are being hacked because they have outdated CMS versions. And if we can find that while we crawl the web and inform the webmaster about it, then I think, why, why not do that as well? Uh, of course, sometimes you will be able to update your CMS even faster than webmaster tools will be able to notify you about that. But in those cases, uh, you're, you're good anyway. So that's a win for both sides anyway. Great. Yeah. That, that and, doesn't count as my question, Karka. Okay. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> um, one thing that I've been I've been kind of impressed with some of the changes that that Bing has done uh, with their webmaster tools, and I thought there'd be some interesting contrasts here. One of the ones that I'm I'm, I'm not sure I, I like a lot, but I know they do is they attribute uh, one of the the elements of attributing a site to a particular geographic area is using the HTTP equiv, um, I don't know what else to call it, uh, tag on at the top of uh, the, the, the source page. Um, mm-hmm. And if it says en-ca, then they're going to assume that you want to be found more often in, in Canada, uh, or at least mm-hmm. they're going to skew things. Does Google listen to that as well? Uh, we found that uh, traditionally that information is kind of incorrect. So especially when when you're looking at non-English content, you see a lot of websites that basically take a template and copy and paste it and then write their German or their French content using uh, English HTML attributes, for example. And uh, that kind of causes a problem when our algorithms say, okay, this is French content, but uh, they're using the the language uh, attribute for English, for example. And then our algorithms don't really know what to do. So we try to avoid that conflict by focusing on the setting in Webmaster Tools for geotargeting and determining the language ourselves. Great. I'm glad you said that because I, I feel the same way. I, I, I seem to recall, although it's a little old now, I believe like some of the, the packages, the, especially the WYSIWYG ones, like a Dreamweaver at the time, it doesn't do it now, I checked, but I think they, they pretty much implemented their own immediately when you started a new template based on what you set up when you, you installed it. 
uh, or based on your system settings and such. And it's like, uh, I don't know. That sort of stuff creeps me out. I don't like them defaulting to anything without my prior <laughs> suggestion or something. Um, but it, it's certainly of concern for a lot of people. So thank you for answering that. So here, here's a question kind of tied to that. So you mentioned setting your geolocation inside of Webmaster Tools. I've worked on a number of sites, um, one in particular that really focused on um, – a number of different geolocations. They basically had a section of their site dedicated to Hong Kong, another section of their site dedicated to Dubai, another section of their site dedicated to Singapore. Um, and what we did to try to help you guys understand that these different sections of the site were really targeting different areas of the world, we actually claimed each section of the site. So if we had um, domain.com slash Hong Kong, we claim that as its own site and set up its own Webmaster Tools account and then set the geolocation at subdirectory for Hong Kong. And we did the same thing. I think there were six different areas in the world that that site had. Was that helpful? Does that do anything? Does it cause us problems? Is that something that people can do if they have that kind of issue? Well, that's usually how we recommend it, either okay. by using uh, subdirectories or subdomains and then setting them up separately within Webmaster Tools. So that only works if you have a generic top-level domain like a .com site, but uh, usually you wouldn't be doing that for a, a country code top-level domain anyway. Mm, and right. uh, doing that basically gives us the information that this part of the website is targeted specifically for this specific country. So that's Great. quite useful. Okay. Great. Um, <clears throat> another thing that uh, uh, Bing allows, uh, and this I do like, I think this is pretty pretty neat. I, I don't know whether or not it's, I would assume it's a suggestion. But anyways, they allow that uh, people to specify the preferred time to crawl their website so that it's maybe an off hours uh, when it's not as heavy a load. I thought that was an intriguing offer. Like I said, I don't know how strict they consider it, whether or not it's just a suggestion. But uh is that something you guys have considered adding to yours? Uh, I think we've looked into that uh, a while back, but uh, it might be worth uh, going through that again to see how, how that's changed over time. I think uh, for most sites, it's not something that they would notice because we kind of try to find those times automatically by crawling a bit more when the server is more active and then crawling less when the server is a little bit slower. But uh, maybe that might be something that we can pass on to the team. Now, how do you you under, how do you figure that out? You must just do it by trial and error, and finding out when it's slower to load, faster to load. Is that the idea? Um, we notice that automatically when we crawl the website. Yeah. So we we look at things like how long does it take for for the server to return the content that we request. And okay. uh, if we notice that things are slowing down, then we might back off a little bit on the crawling rate. Or if we notice that the server is really speedy in response, then we might try to get all of the other URLs that we're looking at for this site at the same time. I, I'm just waiting. I was hoping that you had like a group of Bing-related questions. If you well, do, like, just keep doing that. I think that's, that's good. That's enough of those. I've got right. other questions. But that's all right. So, so the the thing that's uh, I'm kind of really curious about because I don't know much about it yet is the addition of the plus one metrics into Webmaster Tools. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that? Why you guys decided to do that, and how how we can use that ourselves to benefit? 
So basically what we wanted to do is kind of uh, bubble up the information about the plus one clicks, especially in search results, uh, back to the webmaster because otherwise that information wouldn't be visible anywhere. So if they have a plus one button on their pages with the counter shown, then that's something that they, is visible. But uh, all the clicks that happen directly in the search results are clicks that the webmaster basically doesn't have any information on. So we wanted to bubble that up within Webmaster Tools to give the webmaster some information about how many clicks are happening over time. And also we wanted to kind of bring back the information on how useful this actually is for the webmaster. So basically, what is the click-through rate without a plus one being visible? And what is the click-through rate with a plus one being visible on, on specific pages? And you can compare that directly within webmaster tools and see, okay, uh, there's this specific click-through rate change that happens when my pages have a certain amount of plus ones. All right. Hmm. Excellent. Now, annotated clicks, annotated impressions. Now, what's the what's the value of the impressions? I'm, I'm sort of just grasping this right now. I'm just just looking at it. So, uh, can you explain uh, how the, the sorting may benefit someone? Um, well, the impressions are the number of times that we uh, show basically the plus one information in the search results. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure if we show that all the time to all users who are logged in or logged out, but certainly when someone within your social graph has kind of plus one this URL already, you'll probably see uh, the, the small profile picture and the text saying this person plus one this URL. And usually if you recognize those people, if you've already been in contact with them and you see that maybe the fifth or the sixth result in your search results page has a plus one from them, then that's the kind of information that you can use to also pick out that search result and to look at that one instead of maybe the the first one that's shown in the search results. Hmm. And this, of course, has nothing to do with your own um, network. It's just this is general plus ones. Yeah, this is uh, general plus ones, but I believe we show a little bit more information if it's within your own network. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Any other questions, uh, John, about the plus ones? I think I, I wish I had more. I'm <laughs> just real grasping no, no. the whole thing. I, and I think a lot of the focus on the social outside of Google has shifted in the past week or two from plus one to Google plus. Um, and I don't know how. Do you have any thoughts on how Google Plus would impact a lot of these metrics, especially the Plus One metrics? Because I know that Plus One is built directly into Google Plus. You can plus pretty much everything that comes through your stream. And, and how does that impact the organic side of it? Um, the, the Plus Ones that you do within Google Plus are actually separate from the Plus Ones that uh, you see in the search results. So it's a little bit of a, a different thing. All right. So, so separate meaning. So, like we we know we know that the that the Google has said that the plus ones in the search results are going to have some kind. We don't know how much of impact on the algorithm. Um, so, are you telling us that the ones that you do plus ones inside of Google Plus probably don't, uh, or is that something you can tell us? I I don't know. I don't I don't think that's something that uh, we we basically have worked out completely at the moment because uh, okay. Google Plus, like you said, is, is really new and uh, there are a lot of changes that are happening there over time and as we see how users interact with that, then we'll try to adopt and uh, similarly work to make sure that it's reflected appropriately. Okay, great. Okay. Well, let, 
Let's take a quick break, and when we get back, I've got another question about the pluses, actually, and uh, and Google Plus and all, all these things. So <laughs> let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Maybe next year when the next round of changes or something comes, we can have you back on. We'd love to love to have you back on, so it'd be great. On behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Local, thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions you'd like to share with us, please feel free to post them on our 8,000-strong Google Plus community page. Yes. Yeah, as of today or <laughs> yesterday, whatever. Page easily found by searching SEO 101 on Google and Google Plus. Have a great week, and remember to tune in to future episodes, which air at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, every Thursday on cranberry.fm. Thanks for listening, everybody. opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited. 